Welcome to Her Take, a podcast by three best friends sharing their take on just about anything. I'm Kira. I'm Jackie. And I'm Jen. Thanks for joining us. Let's get into it. Friends, welcome to episode 66 of Her Take and also our final episode of 2020, which is kind of weird because it's been a long year, but also a weird year and kind of can't believe the end is near. So we are going to take off next week for the holidays and we hope that you all are celebrating safely with your loved ones if you're able to, if you're not able to. Very sorry, but honestly, this year it's just another day. It's uh, an odd holiday time. Um, also, something I wanted to talk about, I saw this on Instagram this past week about how as we're approaching the end of the year and people are going to start sharing everything they accomplished this year, and that's already intimidating, but particular, particularly a year where We just globally had a lot of downs. Uh, Don't feel too overwhelmed by people sharing their accomplishments if you feel you haven't accomplished anything because sometimes just having more time alone, downtime, time to yourself is a success. So I think that's something important to keep in mind as we head towards the end of the year because I find the end of the year stressful post-Christmas and I think a lot of people do too. But with that, we're going to have a little history uh, episode for fun, a little Christmas special. But first, we have to get into our check-ins, so I will hand it over to Jen to tell us what she has been up to this week. Well, thank you, Kira, for the great introduction, as always. Um, Yeah, not that much going on in my life. It was a pretty uneventful week. I would say that this week felt very long. I kept thinking on Wednesday, that it was Thursday, and so on. Um, But the good thing is a lot of people are going to be taking off this week because of Christmas. I will still be working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but nobody else will. So I'm looking forward to some downtime because it has been a crazy month or two months or so of work. So I'm looking forward to some downtime. Um, Other than that, I'm just scrambling to get any last minute Christmas gifts, wrapping gifts. Christmas is here, guys. So I feel like December kind of flew by in some ways, even though this week felt very long. Um, But it's already Christmas. So Merry Christmas, Her Take Fam. And that's it for me. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be nice to have some quiet work time pre-holidays. Jackie, how about you? How was your week? Yeah, my week has been good. I am officially on my holiday break, so I'm very relieved. Looking forward to some downtime like Jen. Um, so really excited. Um, I mean, like, pretty, like, uneventful week. Next week, I'm just going to sit on my couch and, like, eat cookies and do nothing. And I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to it. Um, it's, like, kind of exciting. I'm going later to just to visit, just to see to visit a foster dog. Um, and I like 
I had been in contact with like all these different shelters and these uh, rescues. And my mom and I saw this dog that she, we both really liked, but like my mom was like really taken by the dog. Um, And so this shelter, um, the way they work is they just rescue dogs and they don't have their own shelter. And it just runs by, it's like run by volunteers who take in the dogs themselves. So we put in an application that we were interested in the dog and all of this uh, paperwork and stuff. Um, and they got back to us really quick, um, asking if we wanted to come and meet the dog. So we are going later. We shall see what happens. He's so cute. Um, I'll just like send you guys a picture, but I think he is a Chihuahua golden retriever mix. Oh my gosh. What a mix. Which Physically, how did that yeah. happen? That apparently they're called <laughs> golden chais, which like I think is like perhaps one of the I superior like breed of mixed names. <laughs> on the on the listing, they said that he was a gray wawa, a greyhound and a chihuahua. Ooh. But I was like, the face is not that of a greyhound or a chihuahua. And I and the hair is like a little longer. And I like kept staring at this picture, like, just because I was like, what breed is this? Like I cannot figure it out. And then it hit me. That it's a golden... I think they labeled him wrong. I think whoever did it was like... It's definitely Chihuahua because he's small. Um, but I was like... I didn't even know that that was possible. So I thought that was so funny. Um, I love it. Yeah. So, so cute. so cute. I'll show you guys a picture. Um, but yeah. Just like excited. I mean, like, I'm trying not to get emotionally attached to a dog that I haven't met. Yeah. And like, I don't know what's going to happen. But it's just like... I was excited because my mom was excited. And yeah. like, she's not always... Like, she's... I don't want to say that she's, like, picky about the dogs, but, like, I feel like you, like, have, like, for her, I think I just almost, like, I'm, like, more open to, like, all different kinds of dogs. My mom's, like, a little more specific with her taste, so, like, seeing a dog that she liked instantly was fun. Um, So, we'll update. I don't know if anything's going to happen, and if not, then that's okay. Like, also depends on um like whether or not like the dog is a good fit for us Mm -hmm. so yeah I sent you guys the picture actually I think yeah I think I did I thought like I hadn't told you and I was like I was gonna give it a surprise and I was like wait I'm like remembering now that I told you yeah you did excited I wasn't sure Um, if it was the same dog or not it is the same dog so that is exciting um yeah so that's like it that's like I got like an outing today which is exciting Um, yeah it's yeah. a good outing. Yeah. That's a big life yeah, update. Yeah, keep us so. updated what happens later. We'll do. I'm not sure what the next steps would be. Like, I'm not sure if we were to end up adopting this dog, like, how quickly that all happens. I really have no idea. So I'm going to find all of that out today from the foster parent. <laughs> it's not a parent, but I guess the foster it's, care it's a parent. owner. Yeah, it's the okay. foster parent. So we shall see. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So exciting. Jackie, I will say yeah. they called me this week to provide a reference. Oh, yeah. They did, I got, so I hope they got I heard, it. I heard back from another shelter, and I, I still have to write them back. They told me that they left voicemails. To okay, I was going to say, I wasn't sure if it was the same shelter yes. or not, but I got a call, too. Yeah, um, this is a different one. Got it. Um, I ended up, like, applying with three of them, and I heard back from, like, the one that I'm going to meet the dog from, a different shelter, and then... This other one, you guys just heard back from. I finally heard back from mm. this week. Nice. So, yeah. It's quite a process. Exciting. Yeah. That's a big week. You know? I know. And if you get a dog, you know, that'll be your vacation. I know. I'm kind of <laughs> nervous because change makes me nervous. Not because I'm like, obviously, like, we want a dog. 
the thought of getting a new dog makes you nervous. And then I'm like, is it too soon? But like, I feel okay emotionally about it. Like, we feel okay emotionally about it. So then it doesn't matter. Who cares Uh, what? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're we're excited. We're looking forward to it. Um, Good. We are as well. So is (laughs) all of the Her Take fam. We're all invested in your dog journey. You can share photos pending what happens. Yeah. Follow us on Her Take Podcast on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, my week was pretty boring, to be honest. I it's the theme. I, I'm bored, flat out. Um, <laughs> it's like every morning starts off good. I'm like, oh, beautiful new day. I have nothing to do. So wonderful. And then 8.30, I'm like, now what? Um, <laughs> so not much going on. Pretty much same old, same old. But at least next week is Christmas, so... Kind of adds a little spice to the boring yeah. week, you know? A little spice. A little spice. A little spicy. A little cinnamon. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm just going to try to finish my knitting projects and wrap oh, presents wow, yeah. and make cookies and continue to ferment on the couch. Just like the rest of 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your fermentation. <laughs> yeah. I'll be ready in six months. Um, <laughs> nobody laughed, but that was a pretty good joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking you have to be ready in less than six months because you got to start school very soon. Right, well. but I'll be ready for like, <laughs> never mind. You'll be ready to. I'll be delicious in six months. You'll be at your peak I'll in six months. be at my peak in six yeah. months. Hopefully all of us will be. It was very funny. It was very funny. I'm sorry. Okay, I laughed you. inside. Um. <laughs> I did as well. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Wow. That was our boring check-in because yeah. not much going on, but I'm sure mm-hmm. not much going on for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Just is what it is. It is what it is. Nice slow time to reflect and decompress um but like i said earlier i think this episode we wanted to as we talked about last week if you haven't listened to episode 65 yet we wanted to start doing some history story sharing story time uh and what better time to do this than around christmas and christmas history fun facts so i'm going to let jen kick us off first with her fun facts Sure, I'm happy to share some Christmas history fun facts. So to our listeners, Jackie, Kira, and I have notes that we refer to as part of our our podcast recording. So this week we decided we were going to do like fun Christmas history, Christmas fun facts, etc. So in the notes we had weird and fun Christmas stories, and I thought to myself, well, Jesus is a weird and fun <laughs> historical Christmas story. So if you don't know that much about Jesus, I highly recommend this book. It's called The Bible. <laughs> read it. If not, you can Google it. Oh, the Holly Bibble. <laughs> this reminds me, I'm going to interject really quick. I was re-watching Gilmore Girls, The Festival of Living Art, mm. and Kirk is cast as Jesus in right. The Last Supper, and he's like, I really want to do it right. I'm going to do some research. What's a good book? And Lorelai says, the Bible. And he goes, oh yeah. And it's very funny. And then he doesn't realize that Jesus is not in the Old Testament. Oh, so it took him, he read half the book. Oh, it's funny. Oh, man. It's funnier than me. 
It's, oh, it's a funny episode. It's a good episode, yeah. Yes, yeah. that is a good episode. A memorable episode as well. Um, but yeah, that's a fun and weird Christmas story. We're not going to cover it today because there's a lot to unpack there, but... There is. You know, weird and fun Christmas history story. Really, the meaning of Christmas. Jesus. So, Amen. besides that, I have some other fun facts that I want to share. Some fun history facts. So, in Europe... As we know, pagan religion was really popular up until the Middle Ages. So, you know, pagan religions is like sun god and moon god and all that stuff. So that was pretty popular. And then Christianity started to become more and more popular by the Middle Ages. So before that, pagans typically celebrated sacred holidays around the winter solstice, which in retrospect... Why would anyone want to celebrate that? That's like the worst day of the year. It is the peak of cold and darkness. I don't understand why for centuries people celebrated that. Stonehenge is winter solstice, by the way, in case you didn't know. Yeah. So anyway, they already were celebrating the winter solstice as a sacred holiday. So aligning Christmas to the winter solstice was sort of like a potato-potato situation. So they were like, well, we're already celebrating around this time anyway. Might as well jump on the Christianity bandwagon, and we still get to celebrate around the winter solstice. But another fun fact is during these times, after church, people would celebrate Christmas by getting drunk in the streets like Mardi Gras, and the rich would entertain the poor as a way to repay their debts to society, in air quotes. So I just want to bring up the proposition that we should bring that back. Um, I'd love for Jeff Bezos to throw us all an American drunken street party as a way to celebrate Christmas and repay his debts to society. So that's my European Christmas fun fact. Now, when it comes to Christmas in America and the history behind that, so obviously the first Americans came from England. And in their rebellion against the English church, the Puritans canceled Christmas in 1645. So the pilgrims that came here for Thanksgiving and etc., um, they actually didn't celebrate Christmas. And from 19, or I'm sorry, from 1659 to 1681, the celebration of Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston. Um, important to note that in Jamestown, which was another early settlement in America, um, they did celebrate Christmas, but overall Christmas wasn't restored in England until Charles II ascended the throne. So that was when it was finally okay in England to start celebrating Christmas again. Um, whereas in America, it was sort of, um, some people were celebrating Christmas, some people weren't. Um, it wasn't until Washington Irving's The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon and Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol that Christmas was fully embraced by the American culture. So mm. all of this happened in the early to mid-1800s. And like I mentioned earlier, Christmas was still kind of like this big Mardi Gras-like party, and it was like a drunken New Year's kind of celebration. But these two books really influenced Christmas as we celebrate it today, and they really reinvented Christmas. So it sort of changed from this carnival holiday atmosphere to the family-centered day of peace and nostalgia that we know now. So that's a little fun fact about Christmas in America. Um, and I'll just end it with that in America, Christmas didn't become a federal holiday until 1870. And here we are today. 
So those are my Christmas fun facts. Um, like I mentioned, highly recommend checking out the Bible, reading up on Jesus or Googling what happened on Christmas Day and why we celebrate. But those were some two good historical fun facts about Christmas. Very Thanks, interesting. Hope y'all learned something. I did. Yeah, I didn't know too much about when it became a holiday here, which is interesting because it's just such a big holiday. And now it's about consumerism. Yeah. Yeah, that could be its own I feel like, topic. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it transformed very quickly. Right, like, I was going to say that. Like, only in 1870 it was a federal holiday. And it feels like the Miracle on 34th Street, that film came out in 1934. And so like in 50 years, like the, well, I mean, like, that's like, just like the fact that like 50 years later or 60 years later, you have like holiday films and like all of these things coming right. out about it. So that means that it's like really just been like totally ingrained into society and like our perceptions and like the way we understand like what Christmas should be is like already a thing. By then, it's interesting. It's a quick turnaround. Christmas was 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 efficient in that. Right, in that right. Century. The branding. Yeah. Whoever did that yeah. branding. She went fast. to work. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, wow. shout out to Washington Irving and Charles Dickens for making the Christmas as we celebrate it today in America. So lots of yeah. credit to them. Hmm. Yeah, now I have like other questions. Like when did we start giving gifts, sending cards, yeah. certain foods well i think no i was gonna say i think like a lot of those um like i know queen victoria because she married prince albert of saxicoburg so he was very german mm. um i don't think i think they popularized like christmas trees in england Ooh. and then it like tra- carried over into like more western society because german people like I think partially, like, because of pagan tradition, have had already used Christmas trees. And he was the one who brought Christmas trees into Buckingham Palace. And in newspapers, they released a small painting of the queen standing around a Christmas tree with her family. Mm-hmm. And because people saw the queen standing around a Christmas tree, it made them want to get one. So, like, all of those traditions, I think, like, a lot of, like, Christmas traditions are sort of... I don't want to say they're manufactured, but they're not, like, they're not necessarily, like, organic in that right, way. Right. Like, I think, like, Christmas trees already, they, the use of them existed in Germany and maybe other parts of Europe. But in terms of people, like, you can sort of point to a specific time when people began to take on these things. Like, Santa Claus, like, there is, like, it, it transformed. And I think it was, I don't, I forget, there's, like, a story, I, I, watch it be like the night before Christmas or something. But like there's, you know, like specific stories that come out that like transformed the image of Santa Claus. Right. From like this ghoulish, like whatever, into this jolly like fat man that brings, you know, gifts. Right. Um, so interesting. Now yeah. I'm like, now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, there's so many other stories we could talk about. Yeah. I am going to this week do a history of Christmas trees on our Instagram. And I'm Ooh, saying fun. it here so that I really do it but I think that Christmas trees are interesting because my grandma she grew up in Switzerland and they would put literal candles on the tree I always wondered how they feels like a hazard it is a hazard it's it's a a fire hazard hazard, but like if you could get photos of that people like were just like fuck it yeah 
But just what? Well, you didn't have lights like you do now, so yeah, you had to inter- improvise. Right, that's very true. But also, in their tradition, and how my dad grew up, Santa would decorate the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. So you'd have the Christmas tree, but it wouldn't be decorated, and then you'd wake up Christmas morning, and that's it's all decorated. Also in that is so fun. Yeah, yeah, that's probably because my grandma, she's from Switzerland, but is a heavily like German influenced area that she yeah. came from. So I think a lot of her traditions were German. But yeah, that stuff like that's cool to me to like how they decorated Christmas trees differently, what they put on it. Yeah. I'll do some research. I'll share that on at her take podcast it. on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna briefly mention because Kira, you brought up, you know, where did gift giving come from? Mm. And I know that in some cultures, and I know Italian culture specifically they give gifts typically around January 6th, which is the day that the three kings, or I don't remember. It's now. all King's Day. <laughs> I gotta read that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when they, they came to bring Jesus and Mary and Joseph the gifts, they traveled yeah. to give I'm not- gifts to the Son of God. So that is like what that correlates to. But I think a lot of, um, a lot of cultures still give gifts on that day. But I think also now with like Western Christmas traditions, People just give gifts on Christmas. Yeah. It's like, that's where I think where it stemmed from. Yeah. But I don't know how it's evolved. So that would be interesting to look at too. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I forgot what that day is called. It's like the, I keep wanting to say the epiphany, but that's not it. I have no idea. It, that's like uh, Protestants don't. I have no idea that I just like know that just from like general knowledge of like growing up around Italian people. Mm. Um, yeah. King's day is like a thing, but Protestants don't, there's too many dates that, uh, Protestants keep it simple. They're like Christmas. Yeah. So time to convert. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to talk about Panettone or when I looked yes. it up, you're supposed to say Panettone. But I've always said panettone. I always just say panettone. Panettone. Sorry, I'm not Italian, despite what people might think. Um, Yeah, I was looking at recipes because I kind of wanted to make some. But it seems like you really do need a special pan for it because it has that particular shape. It's very tall. It's very tall. If you don't know what it is, it's an Italian sweet bread. And it often has, like, dried or candied fruit in it. Um... And it's usually eaten around Christmas. Uh, it's very good. It's delicious. Very yummy. Very would recommend. Yummy. But did you know that the largest, I guess, distributor is probably the right word, um, but like most of the panettone you see in America now is from Brazil or Peru, not Italy. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned that. I did Italian. not know that. It's Italian. Yeah. So, yeah. So the first... If panettone didn't give it away, it's Italian. If, exactly. <laughs> I think I said most people think I'm Italian, but I'm not. So, hint, it's an Italian sweet bread. Um, So, the first mention of it goes all the way back to Milan in 1470. And it was in a manuscript from a teacher uh, in Lombard. Um, And at this time, it wasn't like the panettone we know now. It was a wheat bread. Uh, They hadn't yet incorporated, like, yeast, eggs, butter that make it very, you know rich that make it taste good Mm, so good 
Um, and then in 1839, an Italian dictionary described it as a kind of bread garnished with butter, eggs, sugar, and raisins or sultanas. So that's kind of what we think of it now as. Um, but this was also around the time in the late 1800s when, after the unification of Italy, um, Italian migration to the Americas began. So between 1880 and 1900, Italian immigrants flooded South America, first Argentina, then Brazil, and that's where they set up a lot of their um, culinary, they brought their culinary traditions with them, they set up their own businesses, uh, cooking some of their delicious Italian food, but also incorporating different things like dried papaya from Peru into their panettone, or chocolate chips in Brazil. Mm. So Can't go wrong with the chocolate chip. Cannot go wrong. So that is why, maybe it's because of how close, like we're closer to South America than we are to Italy, but for whatever reason, the they've set up much larger manufacturing from South America to America than uh, Italy has. And then the Italians got a little mad about this. Hold on, let As me. the Italians do. <laughs> let me get to. Okay, so then because the Italians started to get mad, they wanted to set rules for what can be considered panettone. So. Uh, for it to be labeled as a native panettone, it must be composed of no less than 20% candied fruit, 16% butter, and eggs that are at least 4% yolk. So they're very particular. Um, they want to have these standards applied abroad um, so that if you're getting panettone, it's really authentic to Milan. How do you measure some of that? Like, how I'm, do you measure four percent yolk? I don't know about the yolk. Everything That's else an makes sense. Question. Everything else makes sense to me, but I don't. I don't know about the yolk. Maybe you I'm separate all of the eggs and the yolks, and then like measure four percent. Also, four percent yolk doesn't feel like a lot. Hmm. I want more yolk. Wow. Up to five. Yeah, yolk gives it richness. Gives it flavor. The flavor. That is flavor. True. Now, yeah. I'm looking for the... There's a law about it. <laughs> Can you imagine getting so mad about a bread that you make laws? Yeah, let me see. Freaking Italians. Where did yeah, I read I that? Like, it oh, here like it is. something only Italians would do. Yeah. Also, to be clear on the podcast, my family is very, very Italian, so I, I make fun. I don't actually feel this way. <laughs> don't be offended. <laughs> Um, it was in 2004 that the city of Milan applied to register Panettone under European Union laws on food copyright, <laughs> requiring certain qualities to designate an official Panettone. The resulting law, DM 2207-2005, and requires that Panettone contain certain percentages of eggs, butter, and dried fruit. So, very exclusive. Um... But yeah, that was pretty much it. Just I thought it was interesting that the most uh, common ones we see in America are actually from Brazil and Peru. Lima. That's very wow. interesting. I don't know why we wouldn't just make it here. It feels like it's something we could make here, but... It seems like it's growing. I think it's just 
the company is like I'm just scared to say the name because I'm gonna say it wrong. D D Onofrio is the Peruvian confectionery mm-hmm. brand um, yeah. that was founded in Lima in 1859. And then the other one was with a B. Where is the other one? Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, is like two at least. Panettone, and I'm not comparing it to fruitcake, but I feel like it has the shelf life of fruitcake because I just see those things stacked right. in the supermarkets for oh, weeks yeah. on end. And I'm like, are those the same ones? I don't know. I feel like you get panettone and it's like, it just it mm. hangs out and it's fine. So, I mean, I guess it's fine if it's made in a different country, but it's just weird that like a bread is going to get shipped from right. South America. Um, yeah, it definitely has a long here, yeah. shelf life. Yeah. Because even the fruit in it is kind of, like, raisin-like. Yeah. So, you're good. Right, right, right. Well, you're making me hungry, here, And now I want, really want some panettone. It's me too, right? Some. Yeah. Right? When uh, I was, gotta wait uh, till Christmas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, when I was studying abroad in Florence, we went to Amalfi for Easter. And one of mm. my friends who joined us is Italian. And they always make panettone. They always make French toast. Basically, from panettone, and it was really good. And we had that for breakfast Whoa. on Easter morning. That's what my mom would do on Christmas morning: oh, is make French so toast. Good. Oh, if you haven't had that, wow, Jen, you gotta try that. It's really good. I've only had yeah. like panettone in its pure form, and yeah. it's only around Christmas, and it's usually like Christmas Eve. Right, That's your dessert. Oh, I really I feel like there's it. always leftover panettone, so you can definitely yes, have some for always. There's always. I've never finished a panettone. <laughs> like I want to yeah, make it enormous. in like a cake. Like why can't I make it in a cake form? <laughs> Everything I looked it, was like you need this special. Yeah, if you can make it in a bunt pan. I mean, it's not real. Like we're a bunt cake. <laughs> a a bunt. <laughs> a bunt. That's oh, from uh, uh, <laughs> my big fat Greek wedding. If you oh yeah, I was like people listening are confused. Yeah, and she put she puts a plant in the middle. One of the best movies ever made. Yeah. Around that so, scene so is also when yeah. the aunt is like, "Yes, it was my twin." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, no! I love that movie because Greeks and Italians, I feel like, are very similar. Mm. So a lot of like the jokes, I was like, "Yep." But this is the same in my very Italian family. Yeah. So I get it. <laughs> oh my god. So good. Great movie. Highly Great recommend. Movie. That and yeah. the Bible. That's Our a good Christmas movie, I feel like. Even yeah. though it has nothing to do with Christmas, it feels it just it has holiday. that holiday. Yeah, yeah. The family vibes. That's okay. I make a lamb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's like, if you haven't seen the movie, you're gonna be so confused by these jokes, yeah. but it's so funny. Yeah. Uh my parents say that to me sometimes because yeah. they're like, what you mean you don't need no meat? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, anyway, I hear that. That was fascinating. I know. Now we all want panettone. Oh, now I'm so hungry. Panettone. I, I feel like we always that. said panettone, so I don't know if... Sorry. That's very American. I was going to say if that's very yeah. American. But a lot of things were like panettone, and I was like, that's definitely not right. That's you definitely don't say Tony. That's, that's wrong. It's panettone. <laughs> Panettone. Yeah. I think panettone. I'm gonna like cut this out because I can't imagine this sounds good. Oh, it's fine. In our audio. <laughs> panettone must be like kind of. I feel like New York Italian always kind of cuts the end quickly. Yeah. Like mozzarella. Yeah. They like, like cut. That's the yeah. dialect. I feel like that's kind of a New yeah. York thing. Anyway, I hope this inspired you to get some 
panettone if you haven't uh, tried it. And Merry Christmas. All right. Delicious. I'm going to hand it over to the history queen, Jackie, to uh, so take us away for the rest. I'm going to sit back and enjoy the story time. <laughs> well, so I wanted to find some fun. Uh, they all happen on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but they're not Chris- They're not necessarily Christmas-related stories. Um, I'm going to – we're going to build up. I feel like the last one's, like, real good and, like, very inspiring. Um, and – it's kind of interesting, as I was doing research for just historical events that happened on Christmas or Christmas Eve, I feel like Christmas Eve in particular is really, um, I feel like history has enjoyed that day. Mm. Like the Treaty of Ghent, which ended the War of 1812, was signed on Christmas Eve. Like I feel like there's like lots of treaties and like wars start and end on Christmas Eve. Um, cause it's just, I don't know. I feel like, uh, and into the Christmas spirit. I feel like, yeah, I feel like the auteurs of these treaties had like a sense of like, or they're like, uh, I want to go home. I want to leave my or family. They're like, yeah, but they, they enjoy like the narrative. They're like, wouldn't it be nice if this war ended on Christmas Eve? Mm. Cause like, it'd be cute. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> they were like, it would be cute. It'd be cute um, if we end today. <laughs> if we end today. Let's stop so, fighting. Um, yeah. I'm going to kick us off with just something interesting that I, uh, in my research, I learned that on December 24th, 1851, the Library of Congress burned for the second time. In 1814, the Library of Congress burned with along along with the rest of Washington, D.C., when the British uh, burned our capital. Thank you very much. Um, and a devastating fire broke out that ended up just being due to a faulty chimney fluke because it was the 1850s and you had to put fire inside every building to keep it warm. Um, And the fire destroyed about two thirds of the 55,000 volume collection. Um, And it was just all totally destroyed. And it's kind of funny because it's not funny. (laughs) It's sort of, uh, it's interesting. After the fire in 1814, Thomas Jefferson sold um, his, I think it was, he had a 6,000 volume collection that he sold um, to the Library of Congress um, to replace everything that had been destroyed. And then like 30 years later, it was destroyed again. And they had rebuilt the whole building and they basically had to rebuild it again. So the Library of Congress that we see today is in large part not what was there originally. And I think even the building changed after. So this is like a totally different building that we see and then they, <laughs> I think, in to prevent further fire from breaking out, they installed a lead roof, which was an uh, interesting building material choice. Um, so that was interesting. I feel like uh, Christmas Eve has a flair for the dramatic events. Um, so I thought that was just an interesting tidbit. But my next story is, uh, that was a short one. Um, on December 25th, 1776, George Washington crossed the Delaware River. And this is famously immortalized in Emmanuel Lutz's painting called Washington Crossing the Delaware. He got very creative with the title. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I had always sort of like not quite understood why um, they attacked on Christmas Day. So they ended up, what ended up happening was... The war was going very bad. The winter was particularly devastating for the Continental Army. And, like, shit was hitting the fan. Like, they had no food. They were starving. Um, Things were going very bad. Morale was low among soldiers and among the colonists. Um, 
And so George Washington crossed the Delaware River. I, he, I think he started in, in Pennsylvania, and then he crossed it into Trenton, New Jersey, to attack a Hessian outpost. And it's actually like, quite smart, and I feel like... I, I mean, like, this is bad because it's war, but I'm like, I feel like it's, like, kind of smart to attack on Christmas Day because, like, everyone was drunk out of their minds on the Hessian side because they were just, like, having a good time doing, I mean, I guess Germans love Christmas already, as we've previously stated at the beginning of this episode. Um, so they were celebrating Christmas thoroughly. And so Washington crossed the Delaware River starting on Christmas night, and they ended up landing in uh, Trenton, New Jersey um, on December 26th, and they achieved a devastating blow against the uh, Hessian army, which was uh, interesting. And it it turned the tide of the war in favor of the Continental Army and really gave them a morale boost. Um, And I guess I wonder, like, to what extent... I, I mean, like, we've sort of been discussing this, like, Christmas wasn't ne- wasn't celebrated in the same way um, by mm-hmm. Americans or, or by pre-Americans um, before that. So I guess I wonder, like, to what extent it sort of was seen as, like, a, I don't know, like, a Christmas miracle, but just, like, sort of, like, this inspiring thing that mm-hmm. happened at Christmas. Um, but it is very interesting. Um, and so they, it was actually quite the... Um, ordeal to get across because like I like assume it's just like a simple river crossing but they had to get 2400 troops across an ice choked river and it's 1776 so the best they could do were like some like essentially just like large canoes Mm -hmm. um and they had to break through the river and it took them hours to cross everyone and I think they had like massive delays and I think they had intended to attack early but they ended up just attacking them like early in the morning Um, and obviously it was, uh, a huge success. Imagine the level of patience you have to have back in the day. Like what did impatient people do? Yeah. That was like such a tangent, but I'm like, you'd have to just wait for the rest of the 2,400 people to cross. Like, and yeah, well, and then they're also low on, I mean, think about like the first, the first group that's passing, that's crossing the river has to break down all of this ice. So it took them ages and ages to get across. And then I bet you, like, the water is, like, trying to refreeze. So, like, every time they have to break down ice. Um, It was, like, quite... I mean, it took them a long time. Um, And I also should mention, there was an abrupt change in weather, forcing the men to fight their way through sleet and a blinding snowstorm. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) as if it, like, wasn't difficult already. Um... So, wow. Yeah. That's a great I mean, story. Yeah. And they're like, they're low on supplies. They don't have like fancy equipment. They've got like an oar and they're trying to pick at ice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it ultimately reignited the cause for the American Revolution. And I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe the war still would have been successful, but I mean, who knows if they would have made it through the rest of the winter. Yeah. So. Uh I don't know what I was going to say. I'm just going to cut this out. Yeah, I like lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's fine. So, I did that multiple times as I was reading through my notes. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was an interesting story. Um, and just uh, like crazy to think about like what they like had to go through. It was like some shit, you know? 
<laughs> Some <laughs> That's shit. the best way I can describe it. It's crazy. Um, so I also, so I feel like I'm really breezing through these, but these first two are kind of like short anecdotes. Um, my, the last thing I wanted to talk about was also on December 24th, 1968, December 24th has a flair for the dramatic um, Apollo 8 and the crew of Apollo 8 entered the moon's orbit for the first time. Um, and the Apollo missions had been going on for since the earlier in the 60s. And obviously the main goal and which was achieved by Apollo 11. Um, it was Apollo 11, the mission that landed on the moon. Um, but the precursor to all of that was eventually achieving um, the goal of leaving Earth's lower orbit and entering the moon's orbit. Um, and this was the first time it had been done by anyone. It was a big deal um, for the Americans to achieve it when they did because there were rumors that Russians had been attempting to do the same thing. Um, and obviously, they couldn't let the Russians do it before them. Um, and so on December 21st, 1968, um, three astronauts, the Apollo 8 crew consisted of Frank Borman, James Lovell, and William Anders, um, departed um, in the uh, Saturn V rocket. Um, and the goal, and they, they achieved their goal, and the goal was to enter the moon's orbit. Initially, they had been hopeful that they would be able to um, at least land on the moon. The reason why they only entered the moon's orbit and then didn't land was because simply the lunar module wasn't ready. Um, and so I think the goal had been to have the lunar module ready. And I think if it had been ready, I think they would have attempted to land on the moon. Um, which would have been, imagine if they landed on the moon on Christmas Eve, that'd be crazy. Um, that would have been... <laughs> Talk about a flair for the dramatic. Talk talk about a flair for the dramatic Christmas Eve. Um, And so they departed on the 21st. Um, The journey to get to the moon took almost three days, 68 hours. The entire mission was uh, six days and three hours long. But it took them just three days to get to the moon. Um, And once they entered the moon... They orbited about 10 times over the span of 20 hours. Wow. And it was during this time that um, the very first picture of the Earth's entire sphere, the entire disk, when you look at it, just sort of like looking down on it, was taken. And it was most likely taken by William Anders. A bunch of them were taking photographs. So I think they don't know exactly who took it, but they think it was him. Um, And so... What's really interesting is so they entered the moon's orbit on December 24th and they ended up leaving the moon's orbit the next day on the 25th. And what I thought that was so interesting and just like blows my mind because like I can't even understand technology. Um, While they were orbiting the moon on Christmas Eve at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, they gave a Christmas Eve broadcast from Saturn V. And they, the How? three of them, I know, I was like, I, like, you should listen to the, the broadcast is available. It's like three minutes long, like legit. I was like crying. I was like, oh my God, people are amazing. Um, and they, they did the Christmas Eve broadcast that night and they read the first 10 verses of Genesis. Um, and it was chosen for various reasons, but they said that it was at least like Genesis is part of, um, is 
part of a book in multiple religions and in Judaism and Christianity. Um, and so they decided to read that. And then obviously it was Christmas. So I think it had sort of that element as well. Um, and um, they... Is the first 10 verses of Genesis like let there be light yeah is that that whole thing yeah so like think about it they're orbiting the moon no one has ever done that and then they're reading and it's just like really like it's just crazy to think about that they're like staring down at the earth and they're talking about how like god made the earth and Mm -hmm. i just i was like wow that's like freaking i just like it blows my mind um and so they read the uh, first 10 verses of Genesis, and it's estimated that about a quarter of the Earth's population listened to the broadcast. Um, wow. And I just think it was really interesting as well because 1968 was a really bad year. Um, MLK had been assassinated. Robert Kennedy had been assassinated. The war in Vietnam was experiencing some of its worst moments. Um, there was civil unrest. I mean, it's honestly like not, like I was reading like just different articles about like how an important feat it was for them to do that at the end of 1968. Like it wasn't like all, I, I feel like the way, like the kind of unrest and sort of the chaotic feeling that we're feeling now is not all that different from what they felt in 1968. Mm -hmm. So just to think like man's achievement and there were men orbiting the moon and like giving a broadcast. I just think it was so interesting. Um, and just like so crazy what, what they were doing. And, um, that night or on Christmas Eve, they sat down to a dinner of, uh, real Turkey. It wasn't freeze dried. And they also had uh, stuffing and little tiny bottles of brandy. Oh, um, so Precious. they did enjoy so their cute. Christmas dinner. Yeah. And brandies. Yeah. And I was also reading that the backup crew, the backup crew commander was Neil Armstrong. So he was like the backup team, um, which is like kind of hilarious because he, he would be the guy that would be, that is like forever remembered by history. So, but he was on the backup team at once. So at one point. So um, if you ever feel like, you can't do something or you're just trying hard. Remember that Neil Armstrong was the backup guy. Um, the understudy. Yeah, he was the understudy. Exactly. Um, and so and so they orbited for almost 20 hours and then um, they ended up splashing down on uh, in the northern Pacific Ocean on December 27th, where they were picked up. Um, Came back so fast. Yeah. So I think... I guess, I'm not, I mean, honestly, I feel like, I'm not exactly sure how that works with them coming back so fast. It's, like, technology that I can't understand. Um, but well, I guess you're it's like, falling. Right, I guess, right. Like, you're falling. I guess and it's gravity. Like faster to enter yeah. the Earth's orbit or atmosphere. Um, I can't even, like, understand the level of technology. Like, if someone were to go to the moon now, my, like, understanding of technology now, I would be like, okay, makes sense. But, like, in 1968, the technology was, like, just how far behind it is where we are now and people went to space. Like, that's just so... How are you so smart? That's so great. Like, people went to space and lived, came back. Like... I want to know how they did a live broadcast. Was it, like, through radio signal? Like, how did they... It was just audio. Right. Because they already had the radio thing floating out the satellite. 
I guess so. I could yeah, have it definitely had to have been in communication with, you know, the right. team on Earth. Right. So I'm sure there was a way. Like, how did they get into people's TVs or what? however they listen to it? It's just I have like, no have idea. you seen the movie First Man? Obviously, that's not like an accurate. It's like a, what's his name? So cute. What's his name? <laughs> is Ryan Reynolds in that one or who is in it? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Not Ryan Reynolds. Bay. Yeah. Um, top Ryan. But obviously that's <laughs> not like an accurate depiction of 1968, but they do make it look kind of, actually it's kind of confusing because they make it look old, but like at the time it would have been new. So then you're kind of mm. confused why they make it look old. But anyway, just the level of like how much it's shaking and just all this like weird kind of homemade rocket ship that they put him in. It's just hard to imagine somebody really went to space in that safely, but they did. Obviously, that's not accurate because it's a movie, but <laughs> that's my how I imagine them going off to the moon's orbit. Yeah. And um, I was also trying to figure out maybe why exactly they tried to... I just thought it was odd that they would send them up around Christmas time because I'm like, if it goes badly... I mean, it didn't, but I was like, if, if it goes bad, like suddenly there's going to be disaster on Christmas and it's just going to be bad for morale and it's just going to make it 10 times worse. Like if it had, like, but I think because they were just, I think, I mean, I think to a certain extent they were sort of rushing against uh, pressure from the government and, and just like outside pressure from like with the Soviet Union. Um, So I think that they they were sort of just trying to get them up as quickly as possible. And so when it came down to it and they were like, well, we can launch them in December. Let's just do it anyway. And like, so be it if it falls on Christmas. I think that's sort of the reasoning why. And I think they also like appreciated the flair for the dramatic. I think NASA enjoys, I mean, the dramatics keep NASA relevant, especially at that time. Um, Fair. And so Fair. I was, I was, yeah, I was, I thought it was interesting that they did it then. Um, but I think there was just such a time crunch. And they had Sorry, it Sorry, honey. Yeah. Can't make it to Christmas. Won't be home Going for Christmas. to the moon. Oh, my God. Think about the fear and, like, the family. I would right? Be, it's terrifying. Um, it's just wild. So I had no idea that that happened on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So I just thought it was really interesting. Um, and they orbited, I already said this like three times, but they orbited 10 times. That's wild. Um, so how big's yeah. the moon? Can't be that big. Right. It's not, not as big as but Earth. Yeah. But still. Yeah. That's to be cool. But, uh, I'd yeah. go to space. And I would not go to space. Oh my God. Space is so scary. I'm good staying here. It is scary, but I think it'd be cool. Yeah. I have no desire. It's expensive, though. Expensive trip. Can't do it. It is. Yeah. It's like buying a house. Mm. Except you don't get a house at the end. You just get, like, a four-day trip. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Priceless. The thrill of almost dying. Yeah. Um, And so I just thought that was a really interesting and quite inspiring uh, message. And so even though it's not related to Christmas, going around the moon, reaching into the Earth's, uh, into the moon's orbit, um, I just thought that was um, 
something really interesting that just shows and demonstrates man's ingenuity um, and achievements and uh, always um, seeking hope and seeking inspiration um, wherever possible. So I feel like that's like sort of the message of Christmas as well. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, we'll be sure to leave all our references in the description box because yeah. obviously I did not know that Panettone history on my own. So yeah. Uh, in case and, anybody wants to do more of their own research. Yeah. And I do recommend um, that you give the Apollo 8 Christmas message a listen. It's like two minutes long. You'll probably cry. <laughs> and just uh, that's it. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, on that note, I think we will transition into our usual hot take segment, uh, hard pivot away from the nice, cozy history. Uh, so Jen, why don't you kick us off with your hot takes? All right. Happy to kick off the hot takes section. So I have two hot takes. The final of 2020. Final hot takes of 2020. I'm sure there will be a lot more that happens between now and the end of 2020, but we are not recording next week, so we'll have to save all of that for our episode in two weeks. But I did just want to mention, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but Meghan Markle and Prince Harry signed an exclusive deal with Spotify for a podcast. We're going out of business. Insane! It's insane. Well, yes, that too. But I just think about... The fact that the royals are very hush-hush, like they don't like to broadcast what's going on in their lives, like they're very um, much the type of people that like to keep things behind closed doors. And as we know, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry did sort of leave the royal family, which is a weird way of saying that they've given up their royal titles in favor of a more um, humble lifestyle. And... I'm still surprised, though, that they're doing this podcast. Um, We don't know what it will be about. We don't know if it will be about their lives, if they'll have guests on the podcast. Um, But I'm excited, and we'll obviously be listening. But, yes, as Kira mentioned, we got some fierce competition. (laughs) I don't know. Us, Meghan Markle and Harry, neck and neck. The Obamas. We'll see. The Obamas. (laughs) Yeah. What? Everybody's making a podcast. Yes. So, excited to see how that turns out but also i'm sure the queen is not thrilled but at this point Uh, whatever queenie (laughs) i don't know if i'm like i'm not like like necessarily like against it but i'm just like i don't know if like i feel like they've made it a point to be like we want to live a private life and then they Mm. keep doing things that this might not be personal like i yeah i assume it's probably they're going to be like raising awareness like they wanted to live a private life but do a lot of charity work so i assume they're going to be raising awareness about issues interviewing interesting people i i do agree that like well i I don't think they'll have a check-in you know like it it definitely (laughs) won't be personal but I, i think like they they continue to raise their own profile doing these things and I think that they're still like a little contradictory but I'm like whatever I'm like gonna listen to it obviously like I love them so they also need to make their own money so yes and like what can they do we're not gonna go get an office job yeah yeah right and we have to remember that Meghan Markle is an actress so entertaining is sort of in her blood so Mm -hmm. that's true 
yeah. So TBD, how that will turn out. Kind of excited to give it a listen. But my other hot take that I want to talk about is Ben getting booted from The Bachelorette this past week. I'm devastated. And I'm so upset. I'm, I'm devastated. Yes, devastated. Um, I'm a little annoyed at Tasha. Not um, because she has okay, every yeah, let's right talk about to it. send people home, but I think that... Um, but go ahead. Give your opinion. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. <laughs> no, no. I, I do want to talk about this. So, Ben, if you've been watching this season of The Bachelorette, or even if you Man haven't, just to, give a, <laughs> yes, just to give a little context, he has been such a fan favorite on this right, season. Um so hot. Yes, he's beautiful, but also he has clearly experienced a lot of troubles in his life, and he has opened up about some of those hardships, including having an eating disorder, um, attempting mm. suicide, things of that sort. Um, ben Smith. But okay. Ben Smith. It's like very yes. basic. Yeah. White ass name. Yeah, but, you know, he's like, great. Sounds he's fake. Been... Yes. I will also say that it was, and this is where things get tricky. It seems like him and Tasha had had a very strong connection, but this week was hometowns, and I think Tasha was sort of looking for Ben to profess his love for her, and he had sort of realized during his hometown date that he did love Tasha, and he just couldn't tell her. Like, he, his brain just short-circuited, and he missed his chance, and he got sent home. So, I think what was... I, I see two sides of it. I understand where Tasha's coming from, where it's like he isn't able to give her quite enough and she feels like she needs to keep prying these things out of him. I understand that that might not be something that you would want in a lifetime partner. But I think what was frustrating, and Jackie, maybe this is where you're coming from, is after she eliminated him, she still wanted like a grand gesture from him and I think she was still sort of looking for him to finally say to her that he loved her after she had rejected him and he had sort of shut down and he would saying like it's okay I'll be fine I'll be fine I'll move on um which I think is he kind said, of a normal I'll response right. oh I'm always all right and that broke my heart <laughs> Yeah, and it it was really heartbreaking to watch. And, you know, I, I don't know what somebody could expect from somebody else in that situation. Like, you just completely broke his heart. How else was he supposed to respond? Right. And it seems like Taisha was still wanting him to say to her that he had loved her. And I don't know. So I'm a little frustrated with Taisha That's, does in that regard. Weird. Yeah, it, I'm not it, mad at the reasons for why she sent him home, but I'm mad at what she was expecting from him after the right. fact. I'm, I'm, I totally agree with you, Jen. I'm, I'm annoyed. Uh, Tasha has every right to send people home. Like this is the show; it's how it works. Whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little annoyed with her expectations from Ben before and after she sent him home. Um, I feel like Ben opened up a lot this season and he talked about his issues with mental, his struggles with mental health, um, talked about his eating disorder that he dealt with for 15 years, like not like for like for a long time. Um, his two suicide attempts that happened last year. Oh my God. Two failed suicide attempts that happened uh, like a year ago, maybe close to two years mm. by now. 
And I'm like, he's talking about it on national television. Like, he's saying it to you, but he's also telling the world that he dealt with this. And I feel like those are not easy things for people to say out loud and to admit. He even said that he hadn't told his sister about his suicide attempts. And now he's told Tasha, And I feel like she still wanted more from him. And even though she felt like she had to get those things out of him, that's not... Those aren't easy things to talk about, so I don't think that you get to judge like when or how or how quickly someone talks to you about their eating disorder, their mental health, their depression, their suicide attempts. So I feel like she was like, oh, I had to get these things out of bed, and I'm like, but yeah, like he has a right to like also feel like nervous and like not be willing to like, let me just like spill everything, all of my dark secrets. I met you a month ago. When he's on national television. And I just feel like she expected a lot from him. And I don't understand. I'm like, what else do you want? Like, how much more do you want? Um, And I just felt like it was unfair for her to demand this. When I feel like she's not demanding the other guys confess their love. Hmm. Freaking like, I like Zach, but I'm like, has he given you? Like, how much has he given you? Like, I don't know. Well, he has, actually. So that's, but I'm like, I feel like Zach, like, told like what he's dealt with in his life and I'm like Tasha isn't demanding more and more but I feel like she's like demanding this of Ben and maybe because that she she liked Ben more and so she wanted to get him to know him better but I, I think it was bizarre um yeah I mean I think it's pretty evident to me that Ben has trouble expressing his emotions it's like whereas the other guys it's not it's something that comes a little bit more naturally to them so I I agree with your sentiment, Jackie, in that, like, he shouldn't have to spill all of his dark secrets at the time that's most convenient for Tasha. Like, right. that needs to be something that happens on his own time. Where I think Tasha was coming from, though, is, like, him expressing his emotions towards her and being open about that. I think that's where she felt like he may have fell short. Although, I'm not certain that Brendan has really done that either, but certainly Zach saying. and Ivan have. I think she she needed to feel a little bit more secure in where Ben felt with her. And he wasn't giving that to her. Like, he was opening up about his life, but I don't think he was... I think he was still very guarded in expressing to Tasha like, how she has made him feel. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Also, I have not seen the show, so I shouldn't have an opinion, but I have an opinion. They, like, have not known each other very long. So to be, like, you have to say you love me is a bit much and just very Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> because Yeah, but, like, um, that's the name of the game. Because like, they're, like, about to get and, married like, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I think it's, like, also, like, we're getting towards the end. Like, she's looking to get engaged. So it's, like, at this point, if they're not in love with you... Like, you got to go home. So maybe right. she felt that. Yeah. But it's other just like people saying that they're in love. How can you trust that when it's yeah. a show? I, I think for me, the, the reason why I, I, um, the reason why I felt like she was demanding so much of him was because when she already had sent him home and she walked him out, he was like, you could tell, like, as the viewer, that he was like in shock. And not that yeah. he didn't have any emotion. And then she said, like, in her, like, commentary or whatever, like, after, she said that, I forget how she put it, but she was, like, basically, like, like annoyed 
and was like stunned that Ben had no reaction. And I'm like, clearly he's like in shock and doesn't have words to put together. And I feel like that's where for me, like it was indicative of like, she, like she is like demanding these like, these like overt gestures and like like how do you want someone to be like I think she she's like looking for him to cry and break down and to let her feel good that's like where I was like I'm like you now you need to feel good about someone's feelings for you and I'm like I don't know if like you necessarily like care as much about he how he's feeling and like how he may like project his emotions yeah, I think she, I, yeah, I agree, especially after she had rejected him. It's like you can't expect somebody to then express their full feelings for you. Like he was in a state of shock and, you know, at that point, it's very easy to build your guard up almost immediately. Um, I, I, I'm i trying to yeah. think of how I want to phrase this, but like, like I, you- I feel like with Tasha, she... She kind of needs somebody, though, that is a little bit more emotionally open with how they're feeling, whereas Ben shuts down. And I can see why she thinks that could be a problem. But at the same time, like, she sent him home. Like, you you shouldn't be expecting more from him at that point. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's like when you, like when you break up with someone... I mean, I've never done this, (laughs) but it's like when you're like, you have an ex and you want them to feel like devastated by the loss of your relationship. And it's like, well, you don't get to feel that. Like you can feel sorry for yourself, but like they don't get to, they don't have to feel sorry about like, you know what I mean? Like you don't get to decide that they should be an emotional wreck when the relationship is over. Right. It's like, it is what it, that like. Everyone's going to process things differently. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I think when you're looking for a life partner, like, you also do have the right to be like, I want somebody who is a little bit more expressive with their emotion. With that, I I I agree. I I agree with the general sentiment. I don't agree with her execution. Yes, yes. I also just want to briefly say that Ben, I think, was a front runner for a majority of this season. Like, I thought for sure he would be top three, top two, at least top three. Um, but it just goes to show that this season is such a toss-up. Like it really could be anyone. Season ever. <laughs> yeah, I think this week. I mean, by the time this airs, at least one of these episodes will have already aired. Oh but no, the finale week, will be. Yeah the the part one of the finale will have aired by the time on this Monday. Goes out. Maybe I'll watch the so, finale. I was saying, watch yeah. the finale, Kira. <laughs> yeah, you have to watch. But I think what I think something messy is going to happen because typically in Bachelor Nation you have fantasy suites, which is one episode, and the following week it's you have COVID the finale, safe. which is usually a two night <laughs> thing. So I am predicting because there's only two nights. And you have the finale and the fantasy suites, which is typically three episodes, is now cut down to two. That means something fishy is going to happen. There's no way they wrap this up. I've been up avoiding in spoilers, so I'm, you, I you, am as you've well. Just like sleuthed, you've just sleuthed this out, like on your own, just from your own private yes, knowledge. No spoilers. Okay. No spoilers. Okay. But this is just me feeling like yeah, you something always do bad fantasy is going to happen the week before the finale. Got it. Yes, that's but the finale is usually point. two episodes. Well, yeah, yeah that's so definitely because, suspicious. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think something fishy is going to happen um, next week. I can see, and this is just totally my prediction, we've kind of been foreshadowing that Brendan might not be ready p- to propose. Yeah, they're And I think he's that. further along. Like, Brendan kind of, to me, like, was somebody who could have gotten sent home this past week. But I think she likes him more than we think she does. And so I can imagine, like, Brendan saying that he's not ready to propose and that, like, being a big deal. Mm, Rachel yeah. Lindsay 2.0. Yes. I mean. Although Rachel's with Brian, so. They're very happily that married. Ended up working it worked out, out really yeah. well. So, I don't know. I think Zach could win. I don't think Ivan stands a chance. Too I don't bad know. Tasha doesn't know. wear, I don't think, false eyelashes and she can't like rip them off and like leave them. Do you remember when Rachel Lindsay did that? <laughs> That's a no good memory because I don't remember that. Well, I think when she was like breaking with Peter, like she took off her fake eyelashes because she was crying, crying so much. Like, and then she amazing. like left them on the table. Amazing. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. In two weeks, we will have a full discussion about yeah. the finale because I, I feel that it will be dramatic. Will it be the most dramatic? I don't think so. But I think something is going to happen. It's been too good of a season so far. Like, things have gone a little too right. smoothly. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Something's going to happen. <laughs> Mark my <laughs> words, kids. <laughs> anyway, that's it for me. Thank you. Wow. Jackie, any other hot takes to contribute? Yeah, I just wanted to share quickly. Um, I'm a big fan of the near Philharmonic, and I've been to the Holiday Brass concert a few times, and they released a virtual version of it, and it's on mm-hmm. YouTube for free to any and all to watch. So I will leave the link. Maybe we'll leave it in the description, and I'll put sure. it up on our Instagram story. So nice. It's like a 40-minute concert. Gets you in the holiday cheer. And also this morning before we recorded, I was doing a little dance workout because it's too cold and snowy to Mm. run. Um, And I was checking out this girl's video. She's called Madfit. She's like millions of subscribers on YouTube. She made an Evermore workout. (laughs) She does that with so many workouts. Something about her bothers me. I don't know what it is. I just watched like two videos. Mm. um, So I haven't gotten too deep. But so far, it looked interesting because I was like, how do you do a workout to Evermore? Um, but it's like incorporates like a lot of yoga poses and kind of like what I would call like modern dance moves. Um, it looks simple, but I'm sure I'm going to sweat a lot. So I look forward to it. So I thought that was like kind of funny. Um, so check it out if you want. You'll, you'll get a good workout. I'm just making sure I'm thinking of the right person. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Something about her face bothers me. She's vegan. Her, like, facial expressions. Yeah. Not her face itself. Yeah. Something about her facial yeah. expressions annoy me when working out. Yeah. I, I should mean, put I that out because like, that's mean. You know, it's kind of like the thing where I just remember this from, like, my one year of ballet. But it's like you have to smile a lot when you're dancing, mm. even though it feels, like, stupid. But then it's like if you tell, like, a blank stare, it's, it's also, weird. Like, Maybe it's that's like what weird. it is. I think she's like, trying like a, a smiling face is better than an RBF. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But it's almost like too fake peppy to me that it would bother me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She's done it with like One Direction videos and yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Gotta be genuine. Authentic smiles. Yeah, you gotta be authentic. Yeah. Um, but she has good abs, so. Yeah. She should do her workout. Good for her. <laughs> nice. Can't relate. 
Yeah, I, I can't relate either. <laughs> Me neither. I don't have abs. Somewhere yeah. under there, there are abs, but you just can't see them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, off track. Um. I don't really have any hot takes. I'm going to be real. I The only thing I did that was, like, relevant was catch up on Grey's, but uh, I was behind, yeah. so it's, like, I'm out of date, so it's not even, like, a this week hot take. Um, so I don't think we have any Shiro's or Heroes. Sorry. Um, but I do think we have some retakes, so I, do. Yeah. I will hand it over to you two to share your retakes. Not so much of a retake, more of a follow-up that relates to Jackie's most recent hot take. But um, as expected, Evermore has grown on me. I have been enjoying it, and I definitely have some favorites that I've been listening to. Um, I think I still like Folklore better. I was listening to an interview that Taylor Swift had with Apple Music, and she was describing that like Folklore was more spring-summery vibes, whereas... Evermore is about fall winter vibes and it also like a lot of the songs are about closure and endings whereas folklore is more so about beginnings and I thought that that was interesting and it makes a lot of sense and I think that's why I like folklore better is you know a lot of the songs on Evermore are sad and I love a sad song but it needed like a little a little bit of happiness. Even the song Happiness is not happy. So um, I still enjoy it. It's still something I am listening to um, pretty much exclusively right now. And I have my favorites. But I think overall it is much sadder. And I like folklore better. But just wanted to follow up. It has grown on me quite a lot since last week's episode. Agreed. How about you, Jackie? What are yeah. your retakes? Uh, my only retake is the podcast. I don't know, in case anyone just scrambled to go listen to the podcast that I recommended last week. It's called Real Dictators, not The Dictators. Um, mm. The Dictator is a movie by James Franco and Seth Rogen. Um, and I think that's where I got it from. It's called Real Dictators. I just finished all the episodes. The last uh, series was about General Tojo of Japan. Fascinating. Did not know anything about him. Uh, so go give it a listen. Go check it out. Uh, but yeah, it's called Real Dictators. Amaze. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank I was you. like <gasps> horrified. I was like, oh my God. I hope no one got confused by my recommendation. I'm sure if you search like uh, dictators, it yeah. would come up, you know? Yeah. But thank you for clarifying. Always. I think on that note, I suddenly just got sad because I was like, oh, it's our last episode. But only for a few weeks we'll be back in 2021 so and wow. time isn't real anyway so that is very true agree things can only get better in 2021 right yeah i mean it's kind of weird because you know the new year you're is it is a fresh beginning i i get a little stressed out about the new year because it's like it can be a little daunting but at the same time it's nice to have a fresh start but this year doesn't feel like a fresh start because nothing right. is totally going to change quite yet. Like, I know everyone's excited to be done with 2020, but and it, I see people getting vaccinated. So I know we're like making progress. We're towards, turning a corner. We're turning a corner. But I think the first few months of 2021 will be similar, but definitely still looking t- forward to 2021 and 
uh, hopefully it's a better year for everybody. But definitely just an odd holiday this year. Because it's like, woo, 2021, but like still staying inside. (laughs) Still can't see my friends. I was thinking about this just going off towards the end. Do you think you're going to become more or less affectionate in a touchy-feely way uh, when we go back to normal? Because I feel like I would like to make a purposeful effort to be more touchy, like hug people more. But I could see how it could be like a little PTSD heading back into the normal right. world. Like, oh my God, six feet. I think I'm going to want to give everyone a hug, but I think mm. I'm also like going to be like, can I hug you? Because I don't right. want to like invade anyone's space. Clarify Whereas boundaries. I may not have like put that question forward beforehand. Mm. Mm. But now I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I still sometimes like I want to hug people and then I'm like oh wait exactly (laughs) can't do that um I wouldn't even say I'm a big touchy-feely person but I do like hugs and I have missed that so I'm hoping for more hugs in 2021 me too me too yeah I would like to make an effort to be a more touchy person just because like took it for granted I miss yeah touching people especially like family like that was weird to see my family over the summer outside and be like, oh, hi, from afar. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not actually touch them. Um, anyway, I was just thinking about that. Looking forward to touching again. <laughs> um, but on that note, uh, thank you so much for listening to us all year. Very much appreciated. It was a wild up and down year. And I think our next episode, we'll probably do some more. We'll take some time to reflect and reflect on our year and what we're what we hope to bring for ourselves in 2021. So stay tuned for that in two weeks. But on that note, we are wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Hope you had a great Hanukkah. Uh, Hope you have a happy new year and you stay safe and healthy. Stay home, stay safe. Ciao. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas and happy new year. Mm -hmm.